Wouldn't it be great if Christians could talk about the Bible and various issues without fighting or arguing or name-calling? Imagine if we could just sit down, have a cup of coffee, discuss, and even if we disagree, treat each other with respect. That's what this podcast is all about, kind, loving Christian conversations. It's not a sermon or a Bible class. It's just followers of Jesus talking about life and faith. I hope this show encourages you to have conversations like this with people in your life. I'm Wes McAdams, and I want to welcome you to the Crosstalk Podcast. This week's episode is slightly different. Instead of me interviewing someone else, I'm being interviewed by my friend Scott Elliott, who you may remember from the first episode of this season. He invited me to be a guest on a video series that he's doing called Five Questions. In this conversation, Scott and I discussed five questions about the Holy Spirit. He graciously allowed me to share this audio with you, and I hope you enjoy our conversation on the Holy Spirit. Welcome to uh, Five Questions. Today we have uh, Wes McAdams with us, and Wes is the uh, preaching minister at the McDermott Road Church of Christ, and uh, also a uh, uh, blogger and uh, author, and uh, kind of uh, do podcasts. You got your hand in a little bit of everything. So, uh, you know, as we get started here, Wes, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, thanks for having me, brother. Um, I I preach for the Church of Christ on McDermott Road in uh, Plano, Texas, north of Dallas. And uh, I got a wife and two little boys that keep me pretty busy. And like you said, I, I blog and I podcast a little bit and write a little bit. Uh, but uh, just thankful to be a part of what God's doing in the world. Yeah. And I know those blogs and podcasts have blessed a lot of people. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. I, I do a little bit of that myself. And, uh, you know, you kind of have this ministry that uh, you see people every Sunday and Wednesday and throughout the week. And then you have kind of this broader ministry that reaches... Yeah all kinds of people, but it's been a blessing to many people. Well, I, and well, I asked you, I asked you uh, on the, um, uh, to be on here today because you've recently done a series of sermons on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I want to, you know, uh, ask you five questions about the Holy Spirit. And I guess the, you know, where do you begin? I would think you begin with who is the Holy Spirit? Yeah. You know, the Holy Spirit's not a what, but, but who is he? Yeah, that's a great question. And and I think that for me, it's helpful to even define the word spirit, uh, both in the Hebrew and in the Greek. Uh, the word spirit uh, has can be used as the like we think of spirit, uh, but it could also be used just to literally mean breath or wind. Um, and I think that's helpful as a metaphor to help us to understand any spirit, uh, much less the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so when I preached this series, I started by uh, taking a piece of paper up to the pulpit with me and blowing on it. And I said, you know, when, when something is moving, uh, whether it's the trees that are swaying outside, that we know that the force that's moving them is the wind. Um, and if I blow on a piece of paper, then, then it's my breath that's moving it. And, and it's kind of interesting because it's something that comes from me. So this breath proceeds from me. Um, and you could say that it was me moving the piece of paper. If somebody asked, well, who moved that paper? You could say, well, Wes moved that paper. And so that's true. But it's also true that something that was distinct from me moved that paper. So my breath is me, but yet at the same time, it's distinct from me. And in the same way, the spirit is is distinct from the Father, but yet is also God. And so the Spirit proceeds from the Father and goes into the world to accomplish to accomplish the will of God in the world. Um, and we see the work of the Spirit both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
and the Spirit worked in different people at different times, whether it be the judges like Samson, who you know had a great deal of strength through the power of the Spirit, um, and who did the will of God in that respect, in that way, and delivering God's people at that time, or you know in the New Testament, in the Spirit working through Jesus, or whatever the case may be. So I think it's it's uh, it's helpful uh, to think of the Spirit, you know, like wind or breath. the The difference is, like you said, that the Spirit isn't a what wind or breath is a what. Uh, but the Spirit is personal. Uh, The Scripture always uses personal pronouns when talking about the Spirit, so he is a he. Uh, He he has a personality. So I like to say that he is—the Spirit is the personal, invisible, empowering presence of God. Um, And so I think that that's— that's who the Spirit is. He, he is personal. Uh, he's invisible. That, that's back to the Spirit idea. Uh, he's empowering. He empowers individuals to do the will of God, um, and he is the presence of God in the world. So where the Spirit of God is, God is there. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's kind of interesting, of course, you know, when you're dealing with Hebrew and Greek, you kind of run into some funny things sometimes, and we have these three words, you know, Spirit, Breath, and Wind. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that gets used at times you think for instance in the gospel of john when jesus breathes on you know his disciples and he's foreshadowing you know something that is to happen and so they kind of kind of have some interplay there yeah for sure yeah um next question is uh why are some some christians reluctant to maybe talk about the Holy Spirit or discuss the Holy Spirit. We, we hear that sometimes, you know, there's just a, we're, we're not going to say anything about the Holy Spirit, you know? Yeah, I, I think, I think for a couple of reasons, I think one reason we might be, and, I, and I've fallen into that category for sure. I think on the one hand, um, there's a fear. Um, if we start talking too much about the Holy Spirit, you know, I think that there's some people that are afraid that they'll be uh, lumped into a category like the charismatic movement. Um, and so there's a fear that I don't want to be, you know, they, we look in Scripture and there's a whole lot about the Spirit there. There's a whole lot about the Spirit. And if you start preaching, speaking where the Bible speaks and being silent where the Bible's silent, then you're going to say a lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, but I think there's a fear that if we talk too much about the Holy Spirit, then maybe people will think that we, we mean what, what another group means or what a charismatic person means uh, by the work of the Spirit. And so I think there's a fear there. I think there's also, within Churches of Christ especially, there's been, and, and I think in the broader religious world, there's been a lot of debate and division and fighting and arguing over who the Spirit is, how the Spirit works, how He operates in our lives today. And, and I think that that a lot of people just don't want to get into it, you know. So they, they they just say, "I don't, I don't know, I don't really care," you know. I'm not going to take a side. I don't want to have a fight. I don't want to have an argument. And I appreciate, I appreciate the peacekeeping aspect of that of saying, you know, I don't want to fight with people about this, and I, I don't think we should fight about it. But I also think that we have to take scripture seriously, and sometimes that means that we do take a side and we do say okay, here's what Scripture says about the Spirit, and I may not understand all there is to understand about it. I may not uh, be able to um, figure all these things out because there's a mystery to it. I mean, that, that, that kind of uh, inherent in the idea of the Spirit of God is, is there's, a, there's a mystery to it, um, to that idea. And so I, I think that uh, we don't need to argue and fight about it, but, but we, do have to, we do have to speak truth about it, about this idea and about the Spirit himself. And so, um, yeah, I think that I think sometimes we're trying to avoid a fight, and I think at other times we're just trying to avoid uh, being grouped into a certain category. 
yeah, it's kind of sad when you think about all the, the fighting, you know, throughout Christianity regarding the spirit, because the spirit is supposed to bring unity. Yes. Um, but, you know, you think about God the Father, Jesus the Son, pretty much everyone agrees on that. There's not much um, discrepancy, you know, differences regarding uh, those two individuals. Um, but when you talk about the spirit, you know, kind of across the board, there is um, so some disagreement and some people who, uh, um, you know, have strong opinions about right. what the Spirit does and does not do. Right. And, and I think that we, as with a lot of theological issues, uh, I think we have this tendency to, to swing in a pendulum. And, and so we, we reject one idea, and so we sort of go to the opposite extreme. And I think we've seen that in Churches of Christ, where um, we have rejected, and I, I think with good reason, uh, a lot of what's come out of the charismatic movement. And so we've rejected some of those ideas, but, but yet at the same time, we've swung to this almost opposite extreme where uh, many uh, within within churches of Christ almost I, I'm sure nobody would accept the, the idea that they you know say the spirit doesn't do anything or that he uh, doesn't operate in the life of believers now but almost uh, yeah. that position. And so I, I think we have to be very careful to base our theology um, on what Scripture actually teaches rather than uh, trying to distance ourselves with an idea with which we disagree. Yeah, and that leads me to my next question is, what, what's the danger in neglecting the Holy Spirit? So just not talking about it. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, Paul, I, I, love, I love Romans, and I love what Paul says in, in Romans 7 and 8, um, about about the spirit and how y- you can't you can't live the life of a disciple without the indwelling of the spirit. Uh, if you don't have the spirit, you don't belong to Christ. Um, Paul talks a lot about the flesh and that the only way we can begin to overcome the weakness of the flesh and the sin that dwells, Paul would say, the sin that dwells in our flesh, the only way we can begin, and I don't think we'll ever perfect that um, as long as we're in the flesh, but but I think as uh, you know, as long as we're in the flesh, the only way we can begin to manifest uh, the fruit of the Spirit is by acknowledging His presence, um, by by praying. Um, the, the apostles Paul prayed uh, diligently for the churches, uh, for the Spirit to strengthen them, for Him to indwell them. Paul commanded in Ephesians five. He commanded uh, the church at Ephesus for the Spirit to to dwell in them. You know, we don't talk about that much very often as a commandment. Um, it is an imperative uh, to let the or to be filled with the Spirit. And so, um, if we don't don't, um, if we don't emphasize the Spirit, um, then I, I think that we're trying to accomplish the work that Jesus has for us to do by our own strength, by our own flesh. And I think the results of that are walking by the flesh. We forget sometimes Galatians 5, when Paul is talking about the two ways of living your life, either by the flesh or by the Spirit, um, and he says the the works of the flesh are evident, and he goes on to list all of these works of the flesh, and he's really chastising uh, the Judaizers who are saying, you know, in order to be part of God's family, you need to be circumcised. They're trying to accomplish uh, the purposes of God by means of the flesh, 
Uh, it isn't that they're that they're wicked and you know wild, living crazy lives out there in the world. They're trying to be religious people, but they're trying to be religious people by means of the flesh, and the results of that are things like envy and fighting and anger and all of these things. And we see that we see that in the religious world. We see that in ourselves. That when we try to do the will of God by our own strength, it produces pride and envy and jealousy and anger. Uh, but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience. And so um, the, I think that the results of not emphasizing the Spirit is having a lack of fruit uh, of the Spirit and manifesting the, the works of the flesh. Yeah. You know, one thing I've found, and, and this may be due to the, the neglect of talking about the Spirit, is when I've actually preached on it or, or taught on it, that people have been uh, very grateful um, for mm. those lessons. I just want to ask you, what was your experience preaching that whole series of lessons on the Holy Spirit? How did people respond to that? Yeah, and I I think the the one complaint was that I was only spending a few weeks uh, talking about the Spirit. Uh, they people were very appreciative, uh, said that they had never heard uh, sermons whether on the Spirit or in that that in depth, um, which is sad to me. Um, the reason we only spent a, a little while on it uh, in our series is that we're sticking with the Gospel of John right now, and so I was only looking at. Uh, the Spirit as revealed within uh, within the Gospel of John as Jesus talks about the work of the Spirit. So we were kind of limiting ourselves in that way. But yeah, people's reaction was overwhelmingly positive. They wish that we could have spent uh, more time talking about uh, the Spirit's work, and so, and so do I. I look forward to more of that. Yeah, and so maybe encourage others to, to preach on it and teach on it as well. Yeah. You know, while we're there, just one quick question. I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but... Um, was there a particular resource or anything that helped you in preparing for those lessons or something that you found meaningful that you could share with others? Um, you know, I wish that there was. I didn't use a whole lot. Um, I, I, I've been doing, because I've been studying John and because I've been uh, working through John this whole year, uh, I've been doing some, you know, I've, I've had several, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but um, their names, but uh, so I've been using several John commentaries yeah. just to kind of make sure I'm on the right track. But um, but I like to to take a, a very, my approach on almost everything is to take a book approach and look at the whole book and look at uh, various themes and sort of try to interpret uh, a passage in light of the whole book. And so unfortunately, a lot of commentaries, they focus a lot on the verse. You'd think, hey, this guy's writing a commentary on the whole book. You'd think he would kind of take into consideration the whole book, but sometimes it's like, well, the way you're interpreting the word truth there uh, isn't in in light of the way John is using the word truth throughout the entire book. Um, so I wish I had some good resources. I know, I know there are some great resources out there on the Holy Spirit, but I, I, I really don't have any to, to recommend right now. Yeah. But read your Bible. That's, yeah, that's it, that's you know? it man. That's <laughs> it, for Bible. sure. Yeah. Now, that's good advice. So uh, now, now, here's the big question. And I know that you cannot cover all this in the time that we have today, but maybe say a few things. And, and this is the question I think most people want to know. How does the Holy Spirit work in the life of a Christian? Yeah, uh, and that's such a great question. And I think that's that's one we, we ought to be asking, you know, how— um, 
And we ought to be asking, will you? You know, we ought to be praying, will, will you allow the Spirit, or please allow the Spirit to work in my life? Um, I think it's been really helpful for me. Again, we were looking specifically at the Gospel of John, and of course the Gospel of John is all about Jesus. Uh, it's all about how Jesus is the new center of everything. Um, he's the center of everything that, that the, the Old Testament was pointing forward to, and that, that all of the, the hopes and desires of the God's faithful people are all converging in Jesus. Um, and so the Spirit has to be interpreted and understood in that light. And Jesus would say things like, he would call the Spirit the Spirit of truth. And I think that uh, in John, the word I've been using for truth is reality, that Jesus is reality. Jesus is the real king. In spite of what uh, appearances may be, in spite of the illusions of power and um, you know, leadership and you know, whatever the case may be, um, in spite of the way things appear to be and the way things look to be, the reality is Jesus is king, Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God in the flesh. And so Jesus is the reality, and the Spirit bears witness to that truth. So the Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and and when Jesus tells his apostles that the Spirit will guide them into all truth, I mean, that could mean a lot of different things if you take that in isolation. What does that mean? Well, I mean, in context, the truth, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the truth. In the Gospel of John, truth is Jesus, that Jesus is reality. And so the Spirit bears witness to that truth, to that reality uh, that is Jesus. And so I, I think that that the Spirit continues to work that way um, in revealing Jesus to us, in helping us to see that Jesus is reality, that Jesus is real. I, I always come back to C.S. Lewis saying that, uh, that, that, that the gospel is true, not because he sees that, but by the gospel he sees everything else, uh, you know? And, and, and so the Spirit gives us, I believe, the wisdom uh, to see, or, or the eyes to see, the wisdom of the cross. Um, Paul says that the natural man uh, can't discern the wisdom of God. Uh, the, the natural man looks at the cross and says, that's foolish. How in the world is God going to overcome the forces of darkness and reconcile his people to himself and forgive sins and, and accomplish all of these great things through the cross? That's, you know, he would say that the, the Greeks and the Jews look at it as, as foolish and scandalous. But yeah. for us that are being saved, it is the wisdom of God, and, and it's the Spirit that helps us to see, to have the eyes to see that this is the way God is bringing about the reality that he promised. And so I think that's what, that what, John, or what Jesus means in the Gospel of John by saying the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And I think Paul also, I think it's, we can't separate the work of the Spirit from the fruit of the Spirit. Um, even even in churches like Corinth, where where there were people that that had these gifts of being able to prophesy or speak in tongues or uh, had miraculous knowledge, even in that context, Paul would say, "Listen, don't get so caught up in these types of gifts. The the things that are important are faith, hope, and love." And to the churches in Galatia, he would say, "This is the fruit of the spirit: love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness." So, how does the spirit work in our our lives? Well, I think the Spirit helps us to see the wisdom of the cross, the wisdom of God accomplishing His will through the cross of Jesus Christ, and 
not only see it, but accept it and adopt it as our new way of living our lives. And so the Spirit helps us to adopt self-giving love and faithfulness to God as our way of life. And the fruit of that is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. It's, it's, it's evident from everything that Paul writes. You know, you think about Ephesians chapter 4 or um, Romans chapter 12 or 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about Paul saying the Spirit has always worked in different people in different ways. There's eyes and there's a nose and there's a mouth. We're all part of the body. And so the fact that the Spirit would work differently and empower the apostles or some of the first century Christians uh, to speak in tongues or to heal the sick or whatever and wouldn't empower me that way, I, I shouldn't look at that as a strange thing because Paul was very clear the Spirit works differently in different people and, and I think at different times. And so the church needed that initial um, outburst of the power and the work of the Spirit in the first century to build up the church. And once, I think in Ephesians 4, I think Paul is saying once the church reaches this level of maturity, uh, then then there's other gifts that the Spirit is giving and, and equipping the church with, and, and they're the important ones. It was never that speaking in tongues was, was all that important. What was really important was love, and that's what Paul would say in 1 Corinthians. Yeah, and kind of going along there on First uh, Corinthians, the, the next letter, Second Corinthians. You know, one of the passages I really enjoy is the the end of chapter three there, where he focuses on the Spirit's work on transformation. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another, yes. and you know that's because of the Lord who is the Spirit. And, and and again, that's what's important. Sort of that you know fruit of that Spirit, that that love and that joy and those things and being transformed to the image of Jesus. And yes. and that's more important than, you know, being able to speak in tongues or do anything like that. Yes. You know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah and so sure. it kind of puts the goal out there that Jesus is the goal. Yes. Know? That's a um, great way to put it. Jesus is the yeah. goal. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, I, I know we come across this from time to time. You've probably come across. I know I have. What if someone today says, you know, the Holy Spirit's leading me and the way that they're being led is a way that is in contradiction with Scripture. You know, how, how would you respond to something like that? Yeah, well, I think it all comes back to what you just said, that Jesus is the goal. If the Spirit of God, if His job, if His primary job is to reveal Jesus and help us to see the wisdom of Jesus and draw us closer to Jesus and transform us to be more like Jesus, then anything that doesn't fit that paradigm, anything that doesn't fit in that category is not from the Spirit. And so if somebody says, for instance, you know, hey, I just feel like God is leading me uh, to leave my spouse, well, I I know for a fact that God is not leading you to leave your spouse, because uh, the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit of God is faithfulness, uh, faithfulness to your spouse, uh, but also faithfulness to the church. So if somebody says, well, I feel like the Spirit is leading me away from the church, and you know, I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not very religious. Religious and, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I need the church. You know, the Spirit leads me where I need to go. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, so much of what uh, the, the New Testament, what Jesus would teach and the apostles would teach was this one another stuff, this community stuff, this family stuff. And so if, if you feel like you're being led away from the family of God and being a part of this community of faith, then you may be 
being led by a spirit, uh, but it may be your own spirit or worse, you know, but, but it's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God draws us into community uh, with the family of God. Uh, and yes, it's challenging and it's hard. And so I think sometimes, um, you know, for instance, again, if, if somebody's saying, well, you know, I just feel like I'm being led in this other direction and I don't need the church. And so they're being, you know, quote unquote, led away, um, then, you know, there it's because our flesh <laughs> desires the path of least resistance. It's easy to just walk my own path and just pretend that it's God that's moving me in that direction. But God leads us not in the path of least resistance, but in the path of discipleship, the path that's making us more like Jesus, and that necessitates being a part of a community of faith. So the Spirit is going to produce in our life love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, but, but also faithfulness, faithfulness to our family, faithfulness to the church, faithfulness to the teaching of the apostles, faithfulness to, um, to God. And so um, I, I think that that's, that's the thing against which we, we check uh, where we feel like we're being led. I'm not saying the Spirit isn't leading a person. Um, but I think the Spirit primarily leads us in the sense that he gives us wisdom, and he gives us eyes to see. All throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus uses this metaphor of blindness and sight, uh, light and dark. And so there's some people that are in the dark and they cannot see. And Paul would pick up on the same themes uh, when he's writing to the Corinthian church. And he said, listen, the, the natural man can't see these things. He can't perceive or understand these things. And even when Paul's talking about the Spirit in Ephesians 5, so much of what he's saying has to do with wisdom. And so I think primarily the Spirit gives us wisdom. He helps us to see the way that we should go. Uh, he helps us to see and understand right and wrong. Um, and, and we check that against Jesus, against the cross, against the fruit of the Spirit, against the works of the flesh. And we look at that and we say, hey, if if this is a work of the flesh, then it's not from the Spirit. Um, if it's from the Spirit, then it's going to produce uh, faithfulness and love and joy and peace and all of these other things. Yeah. Is this a place where we might bring in a passage like, uh, you know, that we are to test the spirits yeah. um, just to to make it known that there are other spirits out there doing work, you know, even the spirit of this age or whatever. And so if somebody feels that they're being led by something, well, it's not always the Holy Spirit. It could be, right. you know, any kind, uh, any number of things, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Our own spirit is is incredibly powerful. I mean, we yeah. we we have to not um, set, not doubt the fact that my own heart and my own mind and my own spirit can lead me in a certain direction, and I can fool myself into thinking that that's the work of God leading me in that direction when really it's my own. Or, like you said, the spirit of the age. We get we get caught up, and I mean, it's a great example. Um, social media has really helped us to see what happens um, when you might call it a herd mentality. You know, when when everybody is sort of moving in a certain direction, and we. Get get caught up in those movements um, and where everybody's posting about something or talking about something or moving in a certain direction, and we can get caught up in that. And I think that is a spirit of an age, and we get caught up in those movements, and, and we can ascribe that to the Spirit of God and say, well, I just feel like God is moving me in this direction. We've got to, like you said, test these spirits and say, is, 
is it God that's moving me in this direction, um, or is it, um, or is it the the spirit of the the age, or the spirit of the world, or or even Satan? Or I mean, I, I truly believe that you know there are forces of darkness and evil that are that are at work in the world, and we have to test them. And Scripture gives us plenty of tests. James talks about you know wisdom that is from above versus wisdom that is from below, and so we we have to test and say. Am I looking at this with eyes that Jesus has given me or the eyes that my my culture has given me that I've given myself? Am I really seeing this with my eyes wide open, spiritually speaking? Yeah, I love your emphasis on how um, the work of the Spirit is tied to truth. Because you know, when I did my own study of the Holy Spirit um, a couple years ago, you know, I was amazed at how it is the work of the Spirit is tied to the Word of God and mm-hmm. providing us with the Word of God. And, uh, you know, to me, I think sometimes, you know, you hear people talking about the work of the Spirit, and it's not tied very closely to the Word of God. And to me, you know, those two are not going to contradict themselves because they came, they come from the same source, right. you know. And so the Spirit is not going to lead you in any way to contradict what the Word of God says. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we've got to understand that that the church needs the work of the apostles. The apostles may be dead, uh, but but though they're dead, yet they speak. And so we've got to understand that that these these writings by the apostles and the prophets and evangelists before them, and you know all of these writers of Scripture, as Peter says, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so their work continues to be their teaching, their writing continues to be the foundation of what we know and what we believe and what we we hold to and where our hope is anchored. And if what we, we feel like we're being moved to, um, and, and again, feel, you know, I mean, we could talk about feel versus think versus whatever, you know, human beings, we're complex. You know, I don't, I don't ever, you know, sit down to the table and say, well, I feel like I need a piece of pie or I think I need a piece of pie. What is it? Is my brain or is it my heart? You know, I mean, I don't think we can dissect ourselves that way. And so when we when we perceive that there's something we should do or something that we shouldn't do and we're asking ourselves, is this is God moving me in this direction, or am I moving myself in this direction? Then we have to go back and search diligently in the scriptures, because this is where this is where we find what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. None of us would have any idea what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus if not for the scriptures. And so, if what we're doing and teaching and believing and how we're acting, if it doesn't match up with the teachings of Jesus and his apostles, then then we're off base. We have to be off base because the only way we know the gospel truth is through the scriptures that have been written for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, thanks a lot. Lots of great information, and I'm sure it's going to bless many people. Uh, before we go, though, why don't you tell everyone um, how to find your work, you know, what, what's your blog, how to find you on Facebook, things like that. Cool. Yeah, radicallychristian.com is is the blog, and uh, you can find the podcast there and probably links to, to Facebook and everything else. So it's it's Radically Christian, and uh, I got a podcast called Crosstalk, but again, you can find it on radicallychristian.com. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Wes. Thank you, Scott. I want to thank my church family, the Church of Christ on McDermott Road, and our editor, Travis Pauly, for making this podcast possible. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. I also want to invite you to check out Logos Bible Software, who has partnered with us to give our listeners a great discount. Just go to radicallychristian.com slash logos, L-O-G-O-S. I think you'll love the software and you'll get a great discount by using that link. 
As always, I love you, God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.